You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So this morning we have a standalone message that God has laid on my heart. And I had to struggle titling it, but I landed on the life, uh, the purpose of life. Uh, and our text today is going to come from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 to chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, if you want to turn there, and if not, it'll be on the screen in just a moment. But many times in life we struggle with what is our purpose? Why are we here? What are we going to do? Uh, and, and, you know, I've had those questions myself. What is the purpose for my existence? And even a step further, as a Christian, as a believer, as someone who uh, has the promise of Christ Jesus, why are we here? What's the purpose for our existence? So we'll look at today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says this, So whether you eat... Or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. And then in chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, Follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. Now, in Corinth, they were dealing with some struggles with meat and sacrifices to uh, pagan gods and pagan temples were rampant in this area. And so Paul is addressing a situation, and even more if you want to read up in chapter 9 and 10, about sacrificing this meat to idols. And so the resulting idol meat is shared between the god, the priest, and the worshiper. Uh, Some is served at banquets and celebrations, and the other could be sold in the marketplace. But the reason why he's making a distinction here is because there was believers who had the question, what if I'm at somebody's house maybe? What if I'm at a celebration and somebody offers me this meat, and what am I supposed to do? And so Paul's addressing that. He's addressing that if it was uh, okay or not to consume, and we see that in this verse here. But how many would agree today that God has created us with a purpose, collectively and individually? So by ourselves, He's created us with a purpose. For example, my brother's a car mechanic. I don't work on cars because they tend to stop running. Uh, He can work on cars and take a broke one and make it work again, and I can't do that. But that's his gift, and that's where he operates in, and that's his career choice. Uh, And someone made the comment recently, and, and I overheard it, that was not accurate or true at all and it was about you know God has blessed some with sharing and almost as if that was any less important and I would even argue that it's more important because he gets to see people and reach people that I wouldn't get to reach because I'm not in that gifting I'm not in that area and the same thing can be said for you guys and for us together we have an individual purpose in our jobs and in our lives in school wherever we are to reach people for the good news of Jesus Christ, to tell them about the love and the grace and the truth of Jesus. And we don't have to be a pastor to do it because God has placed a calling on each of us individually. And then corporately in Statesville, that's where God has positioned us in this city to reach the city of Statesville. And if we truly believe that, we have an individual and a corporate responsibility. So, But in order to know that the purpose of God and the instructions that He laid out... We have to pick up the book and read it, right? We have to study 
the Word of God. We have to know the Word of God, and we have to understand that. You know, one of the, my, my least favorite things to do is buy a toy from Walmart or wherever and have to assemble it. Because oftentimes, the directions are no good. But sometimes, in my wisdom, I think that I can do it without the instructions, and then I'll mess something up. And I have to go back and read the... I see a smile. That's not supposed to be a smile. She's, she's agreeing with me. Uh, but sometimes I have to go back to the rule book, to the instructions, and figure that out. And the same thing can be said for our lives. We can try all we want to do it on our own. But unless we're following Christ's example, the Word of God says we're going to fail. And we've got to follow His example. So what is the purpose of our lives? And today there's three points today that I feel like describe this in this text. And we'll see that together. First, our lives, the purpose is to give God glory. The first purpose of our life is to give God glory. Verse 31 says this, So whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. How many know we can be cutting grass for the glory of God? We can. Actually, some of the best times that I've experienced worship has been with my headphones on, on my one or two acres I used to have, cutting grass. Uh, you know, I had a 38-inch mower, so it took a little longer. Uh, but sitting on the mower for two or three hours, cutting those, those acres, and just worshiping. Can you do it driving in the car on 77? Well, if you're careful, but sometimes you, you need not lose your faith when you're on 77. But yes, you can worship God on 77. You can worship God working on a car. You can do everything for the glory of God, whether you're a teacher or a counselor or a lawyer or a doctor. Everything you do in life, you can do for the glory of God. How exciting is that? And that's one of the instructions that Paul uh, is giving us here. And he mentions food because, like we said, there was a lot of religious struggle about what to eat. Some things were considered unclean. But God has to be glorified in everything we do. Otherwise, He's not God of our lives. So we have to do whatever we do for God's glory. Now, does that mean I can close a sale for the glory of God? Absolutely. Does that mean I can program computers for the glory of God? Absolutely. Pastor Rick Warren takes it a step further and says this, your goals should bring God glory. Think of that. Your goals for your lives should bring God glory. Short-term goals, what are those? Long-term goals, what are they? Moving in the first year. We've got all these goals we want to set. All of those goals should bring honor and glory to God. Would you agree with that? It's tough sometimes to do, right? Because we want to think about us. We want to think about our, ourselves, our family, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we've got to bring God glory. Glory And even taking care of our family and our children does bring God glory. So in our lives, if we're working uh, for God's glory, our lives will make more sense because we were created for that divine purpose to give God glory. There's a quote that I like that, that says this, Any goal that causes you to love God more brings glory to God. Any goal that you set causes you to trust God more brings glory to God. Any goal you set that causes you to obey God, to love God, to serve God. Any goal that causes you want to brag on God and tell unbelievers, look what He did for me. That's the goal that brings glory to God. So when we're thinking about our life and how it impacts others, think of first of how you can glorify God with your life. 1 Timothy 4, 3-5 says this, 
Some forbid marriage and advocate abstaining for foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it was received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the Word of God and prayer. I read this article by John Piper, and it listed 12 things that you can do in your job to give God glory. And I just wanted to share them briefly with you because I thought it was impactful for me. I sent it to my brother in light of some conversation that I just mentioned. But this is the the 12 things. first thing is this. Believe that all legitimate work is holy before God based on our faith, not the nature of the work. Two, be just and honest in all your dealings with money. You can bring God honor and glory with your integrity. Be prayerfully dependent upon God pouring contempt on self-sufficiency. That means we can't do it on our own, just like we shared a couple weeks ago. Pray without ceasing in your job, in your school, whatever. Use the wages earned by your work to provide for God for and bless others. Grow in your skill set. Work hard. Strive for excellence. Exemplify love for your neighbor and how you interact with them. Plan ahead and prepare future tasks if God wills. Speak the gospel to your colleagues. Work as unto the Lord instead of unto men. Focus on the work you've been given. Speak words of grace and rest in your justification by faith alone, in Christ alone. Those are, obviously 12 is long, right? But you could look it up. John Piper, 12 things that you can do to serve God, give God glory in your job. It's great to read those more in depth, but I just hit those really quickly. But the bottom line is this. In our life's purpose, the first thing is this. We have to give God glory. So do everything for God's glory. The second point today is this. Seek the good of others. How many know that's also easier said than done? It's easier to focus on me and my circle and my friends and my family than it is to focus on other people. But boil that down a little bit. It's easier to focus on me, right? It's easier to focus on me than focusing on somebody else's good. But when our focus is on ourselves, God isn't the focus. And that's the part we have to struggle with and wrestle with and allow ourselves to come under the the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when the focus is on us, we're isolated. It's just us. How many of you know that when we're together, it builds each other up? Look, when I come on on Sunday morning and I get to uh, shake hands with you guys and just see how your week's been, that's edifying to me. It builds me up because it's not just me. It's us. When we're out in the community serving together, and we're going to have several serving opportunities next year that we get to go out in our community and serve together. When we're serving together, we're strengthened together because it's not just about us. It's not just about me. Look, you know uh, it's more blessed, Jesus said, to give than receive. And so coming at the holiday season, it's so much more joyful when we give a gift than we receive a gift, right? And it's so much more beneficial for the kingdom of God and for the world. Because when we serve, when we give, we are also more happy. We're also more uh, strengthened in our faith. So there's two things here in Scripture to help us do good of those around us. The first is this. It says, don't cause anyone to stumble. Don't be a stumbling block. 
It says, don't cause anyone to stumble in verse 32, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Because we have to be careful with the words we say, the things we watch, the things we listen to, the habits that we have. Because Paul said, I don't want anybody to stumble. And then he goes on further. My goal is to do everything so that people might be saved. And so that's the way we have to live our lives. Whether the things we eat or drink, as he's talking about here, because it may cause someone to struggle. Now, if I went out with a friend, I'll give you an example, and I knew they had an addiction or a struggle, and we were going to a place that uh, maybe served something like that or, or entertained something like that or had music that they couldn't listen to, I would be unwise and foolish for me and not a good friend if I took them in that environment and asked them to try to abstain from that. What would be more beneficial is if I just do something meaningful with that friend that wouldn't cause them to stumble or have the chance to stumble, if you know what I mean. That's just a small... Maybe it might be how I dress. I don't want somebody to stumble. Maybe it might be what's playing in my car when someone rides with me, etc. Because Paul knows that nothing he wants to do to offend or keep somebody from, from salvation. I like this uh, story in ancient Greece. Socrates is a philosopher... And he's held in very high regard among scholars today. And there's this little story that said one acquaintance came to him and he said, do you know what I just heard about your friend? He said, hold on a minute. Let me ask you a question first before you go any further. It might be a good idea to take a moment and filter what you're going to say. The first filter is truth. Have you made absolutely sure that what you're about to tell me is true? Well, no, the man said. Actually, I just heard about it, and all right, says Socrates, so you don't really know if it's true or not. Now let's use the second filter, the filter of goodness. Is what you're about to tell me about my friend something good? He said, well, no. So it failed that filter. He said, you want to tell me something bad about my friend. You're not sure if it's true, but you may still pass the third test because there's one filter left, the filter of usefulness. Is what you want to tell me about my friend going to be useful for me? said, no, not really. Well, concluded Socrates, if, if you want to tell me that is neither true nor good nor even useful, why do you want to tell me at all? And sometimes we have to put filters on our ears and our mind and our hearts. We have to guard those things because sometimes we can allow those things that are not good or not useful or not building us up to define our lives. I spoke with someone recently uh, who was homeless uh, when I was back home, there was a homeless man sitting outside in front of uh, Books A Million, and I talked to him. And I just started asking him questions about where he'd been, you know, what was his situation, his housing, and all. Well, a church had helped him, and somebody robbed him after that. So he had a sleeping bag that the church gave him in clothes, and somebody robbed him, so he didn't have any clothes. So we talked about that. And we ended up buying him some food. But the biggest thing is this. I used, he, he asked me the question, he's like, are you a man of God? I don't ever like that question. I said, yes, absolutely, but how did you know? He said, because you stopped and talked to me and you're interested in helping me instead of trying to get me off the sidewalk. Apparently he had had a lot of people say he need to move, whatever. But our freedom and our help in others should not come at a price for other people because we're called by God to exercise that freedom 
and help people, not hurt people. And so I think with that guy, he needed someone at the time to help him along and to just minister to him and, and for his good. And so not only do we have to remember, we don't need to cause anyone to stumble. But the second part of that is that we need to seek salvation for our neighbor. In verse 33 it says, Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Living to glorify God will result in doing what is beneficial for others to receive the gospel. There was one time in Paul's life where he was stoned almost to the point of death. They thought he was dead. They left him to die. And then the next day he got up and continued ministering to people. Why? Because he knew that the cost of the gospel, the cost of souls, was too great to ignore. And I think sometimes for us in American Christianity, American culture even, I'm guilty of it, is to take a step back and say, I don't want to become uncomfortable. I don't want to get in this situation because it's uncomfortable. When really God has called us to seek and save those who are lost. We've got to remember that Paul says in 1 Corinthians, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. That's what our lives are all about. That's what our church is all about. Reaching people for Jesus. Reaching for people for the community. Is loving our neighbor uh, tough? Absolutely. Especially when they might treat us wrong. But look, some of the people that treated me wrong and I've treated them with love and grace and kindness have come back around later and they have received the gospel because of the way I've acted. Not saying I'm good, but the same can be said in your own life. The way you treat people, even if they treat you poorly or wrongly, or even if they've done nothing to you at all and they just need a loving uh, person in their life, can be the determining factor in their eternal salvation and security with the Lord Jesus Christ. I guess in our culture today we have to ask the question, do we have a concern for people's heart and people's soul anymore? That they would go to heaven and spend it with Christ? Do we have a burden for souls in Statesville enough that when we see someone homeless or someone hurting or someone broken, we stop instead of continuing on with our busy lives? Sometimes that's so difficult because we are programmed to be right on time for everything. But when will our heart break for these people like Jesus' heart breaks for them? Because I know when I was a sinner and not yet saved, Jesus' heart still broke for me. And I received His truth and grace. And we have to extend that to others. Because today in verse 1 of chapter 11, it says this, Follow my example as I followed the example of Christ. So point 3 is this, Follow Christ's example and be the example others can follow. So the Greek translation right there literally means imitators. So Paul is literally saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So not only follow, but do a better job of follow. Following's good, you just kind of track behind somebody. But imitate. Imitate, you have to, have you ever noticed a child doing that? Oh, man, Canaan can do that. Like you say something and they say it right back or you act a certain way, they act a certain way back. We have to be careful what we say now because he's getting to that point where he's, he's three and a half, almost four. He can pick up every word 
In fact, last night we, we had an inflatable toy, and he said, that's enormous. I said, where did you learn that from? You know, it's just one of those things we don't think about, but he's picking that up. He's imitating what we say, and the same can be said for Christ Jesus. We have to imitate him, but how will we know what he does unless we read and follow his word? So there's an order here that Paul is written in the scripture. And the first order is this. Christ is the supreme example. Christ's apostle follows his example. And then we are to follow the apostle's example. And I have some pointed questions today because these are questions that I have thought about recently. When my children see me, okay, I did say children again, sorry. Yes, we are expecting another one, so children. When my children see me, do they see Christ? When my spouse sees me, when I deal with my spouse, do they see Christ? When people in my community see me or or know me from Walmart or Food Line or Publix or wherever, do they see Christ? Do my bosses and my coworkers see Christ through me in my language, in my speech, even when we're frustrated? Do they see Christ? How about my parents, my teachers? Do they see Christ through my life? Because that's what Paul is saying here. It's a, it's a daunting challenge that Paul gives. It's follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And in our lives too, we can say the same thing. I want to be able to say that, to gain and follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Although sometimes I fail, right? I fail miserably. Anybody know what cussing rap is? Saran rap? It never sticks just right, right? That's what my dad calls it. It's just funny. He also tells me about this camouflage net when he was in the military that would never go up right. He called it the cussing net instead of camouflage net. Because when he was struggling with that, it would always be a source of bad language when he was trying to put up this tent. He told me about this this weekend. It was funny, but when he really got serious down to business with Christ and he started following after Christ's example in his speech and his actions, he didn't want to take those home because he didn't want us to pick pick up on that language. And that was a barrier for him. And he followed Christ's example and he didn't struggle with that anymore after he let that to Christ. And our challenge by the Apostle Paul today is very hard. I get it. But it's following the example of Christ that will impact our community, our families, ourself, our church the most. The purpose of life is to glorify God, to help others find salvation, and to follow Christ's example. In a nutshell, that's the most simple, basic three points I could give out of this text about how we should live our lives. Yes, it's hard. Nobody said it was going to be easy. In the world, you will have trouble, right? That's what Jesus said. But there's another verse in Philippians 4, 9, when Paul says this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, and then last, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So if we're following after Jesus, and we're living a life like that he's saying here whatever you've heard from me or seen in me put into practice that's a bold statement 
I'm not sure if I could say that to everyone, right? Especially those closest to me. Why? Because if you're not on the track with following after Christ, man, it becomes more difficult. So follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So how can I become more like Christ? Because that's the bigger question. To follow after Him daily, each day in everything I do, give glory to God. Seek out the benefit of others. Follow after Jesus through His Word and His Spirit. The only way we can improve, though, is to learn more, discover more with relationship to Jesus and learn more about Him through His Word. To listen and obey and to follow His example that He outlines in His Word. Would you stand together? So we have to give God glory. We have to seek the good of others. And then we have to follow Christ's example. So today, as you just close your eyes and bow your head for a moment, I just want you to reflect. Is there an area that the Holy Spirit will speak to you today and now? Say, hey, you need to follow after me. Jesus is saying, follow after me in your family. Follow after me in your job. Follow after me in your career and your music choices and your goals whatever it is for you for me it probably would have to be family children I can do better but I can't do better on my own I have to use something I have to learn about Jesus through his word and how he responds I have to follow his example or others can't follow me and that's a huge task but the more I become like Christ each day the better picture of Christ I become. And I think that's the ultimate goal for us. But today, focus on you individually and then corporately we can say as a church, how can I better follow Christ's example for my community, for my marriage, for my children? And I just pray that God would bless us, that we would seek after Him. Because that's what the Bible says we have to do is Seek Him. Turn from our own wicked ways. Humble ourselves and seek His face. So I pray that today, God, that You would bless these people. God, that You would inspire them in their hearts to follow after You each day. God, that we're created for a purpose, and that purpose is to give You glory. But God, in that giving You glory, we have to serve others, and we have to be an example, just like the Apostle Paul, and just like following after You, We have to learn more about you. And so, God, today I pray that you would help us to strive each day to get up and learn more, discover more, experience more, and be blessed more through your word and your promises that we can stand on because they are sure they are never changing. So, God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your goodness that never fails us. Maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know the grace of Jesus, the truth of Christ. Maybe you've never experienced His salvation. You don't know if today you died, what would happen. You can be sure. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That includes me. I'm not perfect. I've sinned. I sin every day. I have to ask for forgiveness every day. 
But I've accepted that Jesus came from the Lord to the earth as a human. He died on the cross and he rose again. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So I wonder today if there's anyone here who needs to know the truth of Jesus in their life. Is there anyone today that would say, pray for me, Pastor, that's me. I need to know the truth of Jesus. Would you just look up at me and make eye contact with me? I need to know the truth of Jesus today. I need to know the truth of Jesus today. Amen. So then I would say this to you. A challenge. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Is the words from Paul, the apostle. Each day in everything we do, let's strive together, individually, to follow after Christ's example. And then corporately, to follow after Jesus. So that we can reach our community for Christ. Because how many know there's some hurting and broken people in our community? There's some people that are real hurt that need the love and truth and grace of Jesus shared with them. So today I'll close with a prayer. Father, thank you again for this word. God, is holy and perfect. It never changes. But God, you say that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to divide, God, the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. And so, God, I pray that you would divide my heart right now. And if there's something in there that's not like Christ, I pray that you would gently show me what that is and then vigorously remove it. God, I pray that I would see like you see and help me to see others like you see them. And I pray all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.